Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to writer, editor and content marketing strategist, Sarah Block. Now, this week, we're talking repurposing your content. Thanks for downloading. How often do you create a piece of content, like a blog post, for example? You put it live and then you forget about it. That's it. It's all done. Happens a lot, doesn't it? Uh, We should really look to get more out of all the hard work that we put in. So this week, I'm chatting to Sarah Block, who's the host of the Tiny Marketing Podcast. She's also a writer, editor, and a content marketing strategist. So you're going to get lots of content strategy today, lots of tips from this pod as we talk about repurposing your content. We'll look at the practical aspects of generating lots of content from a single piece of work and then measuring the results. Now, you can find Sarah on a website, on LinkedIn and Instagram. And don't forget to check out the Tiny Marketing Podcast. There's links to everything in the show notes, so give them a tap. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is ad-free? Love it if you could give the pod a shout on social media. Subscribe via your favourite podcast app. You can find more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Sarah was to explain kind of what repurposing content actually means. Yeah, so so many people think of it as more recycling, Mm. and it's not recycling. It's not posting the same thing in different locations. That is just distribution, where repurposing is creating something net new from a core piece of content. So, for example, if you did a marketing report where you dug in really deep on a certain topic, then you can take that marketing report and you can turn it into infographics, videos. You can create a webinar roundtable discussing one of the topics, create blog posts on it, etc. Yeah, I, I've got a, I've got a slide actually in one of the training sessions I run. I've got a slide which is a load of plastic bottles, and it's a and it says single use plastic, right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of refers to to content is that a lot of the time we'll write a piece of content, we'll put it live, but be it on social media or or website or whatever it is. And then that's it. We just forget about it, don't we? Yeah. And that's just a waste of time. It it takes on average about eight hours to write a blog post. So let's just say you created a (laughs) blog post. You're going to waste eight hours and just have it sit on your website? No way. You got to use that in so many different ways. And you've just upset a whole load of people by saying eight hours on a blog post. You know that. <laughs> How did I upset them? <laughs> well, I mean, most folk, it's like, oh, my God, it's Friday afternoon and we haven't done a blog post. We need to knock one out quick. <laughs> oh. Well, I got to say, unless you have, like, really great subject matter experts on hand mm. that you can reference while you're writing it, then if you're not spending a little bit more time than a quick Friday afternoon on your blog post, it's probably not adding value. No, because, I mean, we're, we're not talking blog posts, are we really here? We're talking proper, actual quality. Oh, it's that horrible yeah. phrase, isn't it? Quality content. But it does yeah. mean something. It, it means like if you wrote an article for a magazine which was being published on the shelves, you know, an old-fashioned paper magazine, you would mm-hmm. put hours of time into it, wouldn't you? Exactly. And think of the distribution power that you have. You don't have to write a blog post a week like you used to. Mm. You could write one quality blog post that's 
a little bit longer than your normal ones, but it provides real value and that'll take you so much further than four blog posts that are just like, oh, okay, that's interesting enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what channels can we repurpose? So if we wrote an, a blog post, an, an article on our website, for example, what kind of other channels would you be looking at to kind of like fire this article to? I would use it in so many different ways. So if we were starting off with the core content of, let's say, a long form article, a blog mm -hmm. post, then I would take pieces of that and create little shorts for YouTube. Right. With little tidbits of the content that's coming out, um, like key takeaways. Yeah. I would do that with it. Definitely create social media posts at least three from each blog post right. and um, have that on any channel that I'm at. You can create a new email from every section of that blog post. Right. And um, you can also create, well, you can reuse those shorts on reels for Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. So you can do it that way. And then you can bring in an influencer or a subject matter expert on the topic from your blog post and interview them about that topic. So you can create a YouTube video on it and embed it into the video or into the blog post. And then it'll rank even higher in Google search because they love that. Yeah. They love multiple forms of, of content. That's a, that's a lot, isn't it? From one article. Mm -hmm. There's so much you can do and it takes you about half the time to be able to create these new assets, these little content babies, as I like to call it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good that's a good way to describe it. That is content babies. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're content babies. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you were creating all these little content babies, and you've got like we got like YouTube Shorts, would you kind of like use the same thing that you create for a YouTube Short? Would you use that in kind of like a Reels or a TikTok? Yeah, I think you can reuse it most of the time. Um, TikTok, Instagram, and Shorts, they all like things slightly different, but it doesn't hurt to reuse it. You no. can still get it. What I would do personally is create something net new for each of those channels, but reuse it on the other channels. So it's like triple the content. Sure. Yeah. What about images? I mean, do you create separate images for the exact sizes that the networks and the different platforms like to? So like a separate one for Instagram to Twitter to Facebook to LinkedIn? I do, but that's super easy. If you use Canva, you can yeah. do magic resize and it'll resize it to all of the channels that you need. Yeah, Canva's been a bit of a, yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah, oh my gosh, and it just keeps getting better. It just makes things easier and easier. Yeah, have you used the AI thing yet? Yes, it's pretty interesting. Like, you... it hasn't worked great for me, but I, I have high hopes that it'll get better. Yeah, I, I think I think it's how you Google. describe things, isn't it? Because I've just come up with rubbish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't found anything great on on that, but I do love Canva Docs. And like, okay, so for an example, I was speaking at a conference on Saturday. Sure. And I created my entire presentation in Canva Docs, and then I just hit turn into a presentation, and it designed the whole thing for me. So I was able to just do like stream of consciousness of what I wanted in this presentation and it made it pretty for me. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. great. Yeah, that's what you need, isn't it? Definitely. And obviously yeah. you can do this for your different social media. Um, right, exactly. Well. You can create one post, 
hit magic resize and it'll make it right for all of them. So when you're kind of like dealing with a, maybe a new client or something or, or just a new piece of work, do you work out some sort of a repurposing strategy before you plan the article? Is it something you, you actually consciously think of or, or yes. is it kind of like you write it and then you think, how can we use it again? No, I do it during the creative brief. So every quarter with my clients, I have a content planning session with them. And after that, and we've decided on what content we're going to be creating for that quarter, I, I put together briefs for all of it. And in the brief, I put all of the different ways we're going to repurpose this piece of content. So it's right in that strategy session that I put that together. So you know exactly what you've got to produce before you kind of produce it. Mm-hmm. It's all outlined in the brief, and then it makes it a lot easier to say, okay, yeah. I can envision how this is going to be repurposed in these different ways using these different mediums. Yeah, I suppose. And how long do, do you kind of envisage a piece of content lasting? I did a podcast episode not that long ago where I turned one interview for one quarter into 64 pieces that lasted an entire quarter. Wow. Like every single weekday of that quarter, there was net new content based off of that one video. Wow. That's a lot of content, isn't it? That's a huge amount. I mean, is this just you creating this? Um, well, I have a team of people that help me with this. Sure. Um, when we're doing that much, just because... Well, I'm not great at everything. So yeah, I have a video yeah. editor who helps me and does graphics for me. I do all of the copy and the strategy around it. So do, do you, I mean, so how many different roles do you think you've, you've, you've got working on kind of like one little strategy for a piece of content? I have two, including myself. I just have one other person that I work right. with when we're creating. No, that's not true. I have three people. Um, because I do the strategy and the writing, and then I have an editor who does a final review of it. I always like having someone outside of me looking at the content. And then I have um, Sylvia who does video editing and graphics. Yeah, because like you said, you I mean, digital marketing nowadays, it's it's comprises of so many different fields of expertise, doesn't it? And you can't be great at everything, can you? No, I mean... I can I can get away with video editing and graphics just mm. fine, but so Sylvia does it better and faster than me, so I'm gonna have her do it. Yeah, yeah. How do you get on with things like approvals from clients? Does does the client have to kind of like approve all sixty four pieces of content, or they're getting it slowly mm. because it is over a quarter. So the clients that I work with every month, some of them choose to just say, Sarah, you approve it. Yeah. as the as their content strategist so i approve it um while others i keep it in like an air table or a spreadsheet and they could just hit approve or decline or revisions on it sure sure yeah. but i i give it to them once a month so they don't have to do all 64 That's one time. time i could imagine yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um what about testing do you do a fair bit of testing a b testing or do you just try and just try something out I do do a lot of testing. Actually, at that event that I was speaking at this weekend, I was talking about how marketing is an experiment mm. and you're pretty much in a lab. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you can give yourself permission to experiment on a couple different things every quarter 
see if it works. As long as you have those KPIs and benchmarks that say this is a success or this is a failure, you're good to go. Yeah, you you can experiment really quickly, can't you, on the digital side of things? And, and the cost isn't isn't as much as it would be in physical items, like you know, getting anything printed for a start, are you? Right, exactly. If you're in digital marketing, you you can experiment all the time with like email subject lines, landing page design, things like that. You can A/B test, so you can get those results within two weeks. If you have like a new strategy, for example, that you want to try out, maybe a new channel that you think you have a feeling will be good, but you don't have any data to back it up, give yourself a quarter to test it out, give it your all. And as long as you have those KPIs to say, this is, this is success, this is not, Mm. then you can, you can turn it off at the end of the quarter if it bombed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. So that mentioning KPIs, that kind of brings it onto the next question. How, how do you measure the return on the investment from all the different channels? Are you measuring everything separately and then kind of like somehow unifying it? Yes, I am. Um, I pull all of the reports into a Google Data Studio Hmm. to create a single dashboard. So that's how I do it. I pull in, I have KPIs for, like, for example, most of my clients, I work with them in three different arenas. I work with them in content creation, email, and social media. So I have dashboards for all of that, and I track to see what is getting the best return on investment. And what sort of things are you measuring? Well, for content, it's usually around engagement mm. and traffic. Are people that are going to it, are, are, they, are they staying there? Are they going to different pages? Um, are they sharing it? Things like that. So you can look at, like... GA4, for example, they have an engagement report that's really yeah. helpful. Yeah. And then for email, click-through rate is really helpful. I like to track the replies, how many people reply to your emails. That shows a lot of engagement with it. That's cool, yeah. And with social media, um, no-click content is so popular right now that you can't really track the traffic going to your website. That's not really a measure of success anymore. It's more about impressions and engagement. Yeah, it's really interesting because you, you you are measuring. I've just written a whole load of things down as you've been talking, and and they are engagement things, aren't they? Uh, would you say kind of traffic levels nowadays are, are almost like a little bit of a vanity me- me- metric at the end of the yeah, day? Yeah, which is funny because that was that was our only hard yeah. <laughs> metric before yeah. was traffic. How many page but, views have I got? Yeah, but yeah. really with zero click content so popular right now you have to measure everything separately and um it's that's annoying but (laughs) it is what it is (laughs) yeah absolutely do you measure final goals as well i mean how would you i mean if somebody's got to actually like fill in a form you know create a lead or or they've got to buy something at the end of the day are you are you monitoring the different channels right the way through to that goal at the end yes whenever possible i like to track from acquisition down to conversion and you could do that in Google Analytics too. Yeah. Are you using UTM tags or are you, or are you more fancy than that? No, I'm not more fancy than that. That's what I use. <laughs> yeah. I wish everybody had used UTM tags. I really, really do because, I mean, they're so useful, aren't they? And such so simple. Yeah. It's really easy to do. And you can do it for free. You might as well. 
Well, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. And and kind of like you've worked out right at the beginning, presumably, what makes a piece of content um, work and what makes it successful, right? And and what, what would that kind of look like? A successful piece of content? Mm. Like, in the end, what says success to me? Mm, yeah, what is it? Yeah, I would say, one, did we get it to rank in Google? That's really huge. Yeah. Um, how much engagement we're getting on it, how many shares we're getting. And then I like to use BuzzSumo to see, like, how is it being talked about online? Is it being shared? Is it being consumed by people online? And how long do you kind of measure this for? Presumably, it's not just like, you know, over a month or something. Is there like a time limit you set where you stop measuring that bit of content? No, not really in the content world because we'll do content audits probably once a year. Um, so while we're not like looking at it daily anymore, we do look at it to see does it make sense to revise this? Um, is it getting a lot of traffic? Should we be adding something to it like a video or a an infographic? Would something like that make it more successful? If something's getting a lot of search traffic, let's make sure that we have a great call to action on there so we're not losing out on all of that Google traffic. But at least, yeah, annually do a content audit and see what you need to revise. Are you kind of rewriting stuff a year later? Yeah. Yeah, and then update the date on it for a new publish date. You don't need to create net new constantly. You do more than just change the date, though, don't you? No, yeah, of course. Because, <laughs> I mean, oh, have you seen it? I mean, you only have to, whenever I see anything with like 2023 now, I think to myself, you really haven't had time to rewrite that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you better be rewriting if you're updating the date on it. Um, yes. So, like, for example, I'll read, I read this HubSpot blog not that long ago, and I was like, oh, it was originally published in 2016. Yeah. Uh, this is not going to be relevant, especially since this has to do with digital marketing. But it was updated again in like 2022. And I was like, OK, I'll trust it then. Do you think we get a bit too fussy over dates like that? Do you think Google should take dates away? I remove my dates from my blogs. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it. It people self-eliminate them. Yes. <laughs> They're like, no, I, I know I do it. I if do, I think yeah. something's too old, and a lot of content is evergreen. Yeah. So it, uh, I just remove my dates on anything. Yeah, and well, do, do you find different people have different ideas on what something is old? Because my son, for example, he probably thinks that something last week was old. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I work with tons of agencies as like a content strategy partner. And every agency has a different measurement of how old resources can be within the content. Yeah. So even agency to agency, they have different rules. Yeah, that's really interesting. So basically, we've got to churn out 64 pieces of content off every blog post we write. Yeah, that's the aim. No, no. That was an example for like solo entrepreneurs that feel overwhelmed with everything that they need to do within their business. They need to wear a thousand different hats. And I wanted to show them that you don't have to do all of that. Mm. You could spend one hour, once a quarter, interviewing a subject matter expert or an influencer, and you could turn it into 
enough content to feed all of your channels for the entire quarter. Sure. So it might feel overwhelming when you hear 64 pieces, but those 64 pieces take like no time at all. And in the example of one hour to 64 pieces, that's literally just one hour <laughs> interview. So it's not going to take you eight hours to write anything because we're doing we're we're using video as our core piece of content. Yeah, and we're being smart as well about the content, I think, aren't we? Yeah, if you're pulling in influencers or subject matter experts into your content, you're doubling your your distribution. Sure. And there's so much more that you can create from it. Yeah, I really need to do more of it myself, I think. Definitely, um, definitely. Um, Sarah, this is fascinating. I chatted for ages about this. Um, where can we find you? Where's your website and all your repurposed content? Yes, you can find me at sarahnoahblock.com. That cool. is my website and my social handles everywhere. You can also listen to me on the Tiny Marketing Show. It's everywhere podcasts are. And it's also on YouTube. Fantastic. Brilliant. What I'll do is I'll put a load of links in the show notes and we can um, folks can just tap on that and things like Perfect. that. Perfect. Thank Brilliant. you. Sarah, thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks again to Sarah for her time. Don't forget to check out all the links in the show notes. If you've enjoyed the episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.